So, who was Solomon anyway? Hi, Dave Kimball here again. Uh, and I'm going to pause in the action what I've, that I've been conducting so far in this podcast. For the most part, I've just been reading to you from Proverbs. And then last week, I went to a meetup uh, specifically on podcasting. And there it was suggested to me, thanks, Jesse, for making the suggestion, that I was probably not doing the best thing by the peop- by my listeners, uh, just reading Proverbs. And in fact, I later on went and found that on the Apple podcast listings, um, there are plenty of other people that have recorded live, aloud, readings of, pod, of of Proverbs. So, no point in building a new wheel. And I suppose the third reason is that I've read so far up to Proverbs chapter 9, and that ends the first section, really, of, of the book. Proverbs is not a terribly homogeneous book. It's got several different sections where the style of writing changes and we've just reached the end of the first one. Most of them are done by, or have been written by, <clears throat> excuse me, have been written by Solomon, but not all. So it makes sense to pause in the action and ask the question, who on earth was Solomon anyway? Why give him any of our time? Well, he was an interesting guy. It's a really fascinating story. He had an unusual arrival in life. I suppose we might compare him to Prince William uh, in London or, you know, the heir, or Charles, Prince Charles, and then Prince William, heir to the throne. But he's also, perhaps, in addition to maybe having royal blood, he's also, we might also, if he was born today, we'd give him the name Gates or Buffett or Branson or something like that because he inherited particularly particularly good, you know, a lot of wealth. And, um, you know, ask, the, ask yourself the question, how many people have you seen that have, have been born with a silver spoon in their mouths and have gone on to do amazing things? Not very many. In fact, for the most part, people that, that inherit wealth at a young age and have life pretty well set for them, don't tend to do very well. They often go on and squander it and then become an embarrassment to the, to the family name. Solomon is a notable exception. He comes to the throne, I would guess he's in his late teens, maybe he's 20, I don't know. Uh, but he's a, he's, a, he's a young man. Now, his father was also an interesting guy, David who effectively turned the nation of Israel into the local regional power. Well, maybe you could say he was, it, Israel was the empire at that time in history. David did, did that. And then towards the end of his life, David, whose family life is a mess because he's married multiple wives and had kids by multiple wives, and there's a lot of strife between the, the different factions of the family. And he recognizes that Solomon's the only kid he's got that's got any chance of being able to continue what he started. So Solomon comes to the throne. And then, interestingly enough, 
what we what we know is that he suddenly has a dream one night in which God appears to him and says, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon, who probably isn't wanting for anything at that point, answers, give me discernment so that I can distinguish between right and wrong and know how to govern this enormous nation that you've given me. Because at the moment, I don't know. I haven't a clue. I'm too young, too juvenile. And in the dream, God says, because this is what you've asked me for, and you've been selfless in your response, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked. I am going to give you discernment. I'm going to give you wisdom so that there will be no, no one up till now will be able to claim to have been as wise as you have, nor will anyone ever. And on top of that, says God, I will give you what you've not asked for. I will give you wealth. I will give you freedom from your enemies. I will give you... You'll have it all. And then Solomon wakes up. And you can read the rest of the story, how he he begins to demonstrate that he actually is. He, do, he has been gifted with this enormous wisdom, great wisdom that God, that God gives him. And he goes on to become an incredible scientist, really, before science is a thing. He studies plant and animal life. He realizes that in the life around him, there are principles to be learned about how to live wisely and smartly and how to govern the nation. He doesn't get it all right. He makes his, his own mistakes. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he builds business partnerships around with, with the nations around him. And in those days, the way to cement those business partnerships was not to put a, an agreement in writing and both parties sign on the dotted line and there's legal beagles that keep it all in for No, no, no. What happens is you marry the daughter of the foreign monarch. And that seals the deal. And some of those women lead him, as, lead, lead him astray. He sort of goes down the wrong path towards the end of his life. And I think he realizes it. Somewhere in all this, he must, I guess, realize he, he's got a legacy he wants to leave. And he starts to write and write and write and write. And he writes in these short little pithy one-liners or two-liners. He's trying desperately to put down the principles that he's learned for posterity because he realizes that this is the only way he's going to have any kind of an impact on anybody else. I mean, he's had an impact in the short time he's been alive, but once he's gone, that's it. And that's what leads him to start writing Proverbs. And I don't just mean the book of Proverbs, I mean lots of Proverbs. As far as we know, he, it's, there is an elsewhere uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes that says he actually wrote 3,000 Proverbs and he agonized and anguished over exactly the right wording in which to put them and the order in which to arrange them. And one thing to remember, of course, is that he wrote all these in Hebrew. So when we read them in English, we are reading a translation of what he wrote. So some of the information we've lost. And that's the, the only way you really get to the bottom of it carefully is if you 
if you study the original Hebrew. But nevertheless, we've got a fair amount of it in, in English. So that's what he does. And that's why we read what we do in Proverbs. And he's, he's trying desperately to put down the principles of wisdom, the principles of life that, that can allow any of us to live a better life and to make a difference to ourselves and to those around us. I'll pause there, and I'll, I'm going to be returning to this theme again and again, um, exactly why he did what he did. But for the, for the meantime, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.